Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis, and as promised today, the Super Bowl preview blowout episode. For this episode, of course, went through, watched a whole bunch of tape, spent a lot of time reading, listening, and watching, trying to consume as much content as humanly possible during the build-up to the Super Bowl that I would feel adequately prepared to do today's show. I understand that not everybody has the bandwidth or the patience to consume as much sports content as I do, which is why when I do preview episodes like this, I go out and I do the cliff notes. I get as much good information as I can to relay to the general public that and try and put it into a little bit more of a simplistic view and make it easier and a little bit more digestible in a way that some of the more nuanced and extreme content that I consume where I am watching the man zone splits for the Bengals between month, how it evolved month to month. I'm watching what the Chiefs did in the second half of the AFC title game in relation to what the Bengals were doing against them. Just I've consumed a lot of football this week. I am very, very excited for this game. I know there's a lot of conjecture out there about how this is kind of a unexciting Super Bowl, that neither of these teams are amongst the, the contenders we looked at coming into the season. Both of these teams had significant question marks. The Rams, if things broke right for the Rams, you could see a world where the Rams got to the Super Bowl. The Bengals, their win total was six. Nobody on the planet Earth had the Bengals in the Super Bowl, except maybe Joe Burrow himself. But it's going to make for an interesting game. I do think there are some clear advantages that both teams do have, and it'll make for a good conversation. But before I get to today's show, a couple things. Number one, please, if you haven't gotten a chance, check out some of the content we've done over the last few weeks here. been really trying to load up on guests to make sure you're not just listening to me, give my opinion on things, but really trying to get a variety of opinions from people particularly i've been doing nhl centric episodes with guests i had my good friend megan on yesterday i had jess belmosto on tuesday last week had episodes on the hurricanes the panthers the lightning we've really ramped it up i've got three guests booked for next week which is very exciting going to be talking about the toronto maple leafs the vegas golden knights and the washington capitals so our journey around the NHL will continue. There, This is a good time of year for the league where we're around that midway point and we're getting a good, we're getting a sit check, a sit rep on all of these teams around the league in digestible 40 minutes to an hour episodes, all the relevant storylines, the pertinent players, the changes, exciting things. So you are prepared for what's to come when the playoffs roll around towards the middle of April. Next. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, whatever you get your podcasts on, whatever platform that is for you, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, the show is available there. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Do it twice, please. If you're using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a review. Reviews don't take a lot of time. They're very easy to leave. Apple Podcasts, you go to the show's page, you scroll down past the recent episodes, there are going to be five clear purple stars. You hit the one furthest to the right, five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says, write a review. Please, please, please leave a written review. It takes you a minute. It helps me out immensely. Really do appreciate it. Spotify, you got to listen to a few episodes before you can leave a review. But once you do, please leave a five-star review. That would be great. So, to set the table, 
This is the pinnacle of a life's journey for football. You think about the hundreds of thousands of hours that have gone into making a football life. To get to the league alone is hundreds of thousands of hours of your life. Yeah, there are occasionally the outliers who don't start playing football till they're in high school or in some cases until they're in college. There are weird outliers like that. The occasional Jason Pierre-Paul who doesn't start playing till they're in like 10th or 11th grade. But for the most part, a lot of these guys' journeys started at a place we're all familiar with. Five and six years old, playing catch, playing Pop Warner, playing Modified, JV Varsity. A lot of people have strapped on a helmet and picked up a football and dreamed about playing in the Super Bowl at some point in their life. I, I've gravitated more towards college football the older I've gotten for some reason. Just the, na the culture of college football is a little bit more enticing and interesting to me as a content person and as a sports fan, to be honest with you. But make no mistake here. This is the pinnacle of American sports, the Super Bowl. The World Series is not what it used to be. The NBA Finals are getting there, but the, the conjecture on the NBA and the super team dialogue is tiring, and it always leads to resume arguing, which is boring to me. Just I, I, I can't do discourse anymore about rings in the NBA. It's, it's tiresome. It's boring. It's uninteresting. The Super Bowl is the pinnacle of American sport. This is the most popular sport in this country. The Super Bowl is the most watched event on TV every single year. There are no guarantees you ever get here again. You think about Matthew Stafford being the first overall pick in 2009 out of Georgia. I remember Matthew Stafford getting drafted, going to the Lions, and essentially, even though I was only 12, thinking his career was over. I'm, even as a kid, I knew the Lions weren't winning anything. They had legitimate infrastructure problems that would inhibit their ability to be competitive. When you have Matt Millen drafting just every wide receiver on the planet Earth over a five, six-year period in the first round, and you only get one to stick, of course. You hit on Calvin Johnson, it makes it a little bit easier, but you get what I'm saying. When a, As a kid, without the the historical record that I understand now, I even knew Matthew Stafford was probably never going to win a Super Bowl in Detroit. He's got his one chance. There is no guarantee they will ever be back to this moment. Matthew Stafford may never play in another Super Bowl again, and odds are he probably won't. It is so hard just to get to the Super Bowl, let alone to win one. We talk about what makes Brady so great. It's he went to nine. He won, I'm, excuse me, he went to 10 and he won seven. That's pretty fucking good. I mean, you get to 10 Super Bowls. That is an accomplishment. The Bengals have been around quite a while now. They, they've got enough of a track record now. This will be their third Super Bowl appearance. They've lost both previous times to the 49er dynasty with Mont Joe Montana. And you think about it in the context of what this would mean for the Bengals. Just a lifetime of being told, you don't take this seriously enough to win. You don't deserve to have a team. Your owner is a bad owner. He refuses to spend money. He uses the team like an ATM for his personal life. He refuses to invest in scouting, expanding your analytics department, expanding your coaching staff, hiring analysts and consultants. Just... All of the institutional factors we thought were pertinent to being competitive in today's NFL, the Bengals just said, no, we're not doing that because our owner refuses to give us money to do that, so we're going to have to figure it out another way. And they've gotten here. 
That is an accomplishment alone for the Bengals just to have gotten here. I know that if the Bengals win, the discourse on Monday will be how Joe Burrow is on one of the best three-year runs of any athlete ever. of National title, Heisman, bad knee injury, Super Bowl, and likely Super Bowl MVP because if the Bengals win this game, it's probably going to be on Joe Burrow's back. There is a lot that goes wrong during the course of a season. Like we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago, there's only about five or six teams that realistically can win the Super Bowl any given year. Sure, there are outliers, like the Bengals, who jumped into the conversation from outside that top five, and arguably from the third tier of team, where it's maybe next year, over that middle tier of we don't really know what you are, into genuine contender. And they embody their quarterback. Joe Burrow is one of the most charismatic figures in sports without being like this big rah-rah guy it's something innate about his personality makes people gravitate towards him and believe in him and that's infectious and you can see that now in the Bengals the they keep saying Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow keep saying things along the lines of we believe in ourselves you can't say nobody believes in us we're not underdogs we expect this and Yeah, some of that is just posturing to sound cool. But at the same time, I think Joe Burrow believes it. And if Joe Burrow believes it, Zach Taylor probably believes it too. Okay, that was a pretty long introduction here. But there were a lot of thoughts I had to get out before we set to set the table so you're adequately prepared. Okay, I'll see you guys in one second and we'll start talking about more details, storylines, matchups, deciding factors, and of course, my game pick. I will see you guys in one second. Do you spend that entire time, all of those hours, all of those years of your life to get to this moment? You are the Bengals, you are the Rams, you are some person in America who will probably be at a Super Bowl party this Sunday. There will be a hundred million plus people watching this game just in the United States. That's not including around the world, other countries. This is the biggest sport we have in the United States, and the Super Bowl is our ode to what America is. It's a representation of where American culture is, and it's how we project ourselves out to the rest of the world. And the exuberance of the commercials that cost millions of dollars for 30 seconds that are littered with already rich people to star in the commercials to keep you from going to get another beer or grabbing food during the Super Bowl party to keep you on the couch as long as possible because those eyes those eyes are valuable man your two eyes matter to some corporation out there so that's the abstract and we are at an interesting point in the NFL because so many teams now are trying to just copy what has made teams already successful but we're doing it really fast. Like, you think about all of the Sean McVay assistants who are head coaches in other places now, whether it be LaFleur, Zach Taylor, Kevin O'Connell, who's going to be the Vikings head coach, the Rams OC right now. You think about, um, oh, Brandon Staley with San, San Diego, with the, with the Chargers, the other L.A. team, excuse me. But all of those guys are out there in the league now. Staley's is probably going to be the one who gets Staley has challenged the football establishment in ways this football establishment doesn't like to be pushed so he will get a harder time than these other guys and I'll be honest I was very low on Zach Taylor coming into this year me and my one friend Trevor have 
talked at nauseum just how uncreative they are that the Bengals have been under his leadership, that their offense is extremely predictable, that they don't really confuse anyone on de- any defense they're facing. It's more so our guys are going to get open, so it doesn't really matter what you do is kind of been the Bengals' approach, especially this season. And this is one of those situations where I, I said it before in the introduction where it's not that nobody believes in us team because the Bengals are kind of believing in themselves. And this might be a case of what we don't know where this team doesn't realize how kind of crazy the run they're on is. So they're just kind of taking things one day at a time as they like to clichely say. And because they don't know what it's like to lose a playoff game, they're just going out there. They're making things happen. They're playing for each other. They're playing in kind of a reckless way. I mean, just flat out, the Bengals have gotten some insanely fortuitous luck in these games, whether we're talking about the interceptions of Ryan Tannehill in the divisional round, whether we're talking about Patrick Mahomes just not being able to play quarterback in the second half of the AFC title game, or, of course, the play right before the half in the Bengals-Raiders game in the wildcard round, where the whistle was blown, and that shouldn't have been a touchdown, but they gave it to him, and the Bengals are what happens when luck meets opportunity. That is one of those expressions that you hear cliched said a lot, but luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. The Bengals have hung around. The Bengals are not the most talented team in the league. They're probably not even in the top five or ten most talented teams in the league. They've got a top ten quarterback. They've got a top ten wide receiver. They've got a bunch of really solid B guys. They've got a really bad offensive line. They've got one borderline elite pass rusher. They've got a really good but not elite safety in Jesse Bates. They've got Two solid corners in Chad Awuzie and Mike Hilton. They have Eli Apple, but this is not what you would... You would not have another team try and build a contender the same way the Bengals have. This is not... This is not a replicable strategy. You would not teach another executive to try and build their roster in the same way the Bengals have this year. But if they win their Super Bowl, that validates this... this roster construction and there will be a team that tries to do it this way that doesn't really worry about the offensive line that tries to build their defense entirely through b minus guys on their defense and 11 b minus guys is better than two a's a couple b's a few c's and a d and it's expensive it's really hard to get good pieces in free agency because they're going to be expensive there is an artificial tax you have to pay guys when they are free agents, because that's their one, maybe two chances they get to really make some money outside of the rookie wage scale. So it's going to be expensive to sign a Mike Hilton, a Trey Hendrickson. Those guys are going to get more than they would if you originally had them under team control. Next, obviously, the story of the Bengals is Joe Burrow. This team won all of three games, four games last year with Burrow, had couple nice flashes they lost a few stupid games before burrow got hurt i think opening week to the chargers because randy bullock missed a field goal they ended up losing that game last season this year even going into the playoffs as high as i am on joe burrow as a talent i didn't expect the bengals to get this far i picked the raiders to cover five and a half wild card weekend because i thought the raiders might win that game outright because i just did not trust the Bengals. I really didn't trust them. These are the Bengals. But that 
that charisma, that moxie, all of the intangible stuff. Because you think about Burrow, above average pocket presence. He's really good at feeling where pressure's coming from, evading pressure, keeping the play alive. Not to the same degree as a Mahomes or a Lamar, but he's agile enough. He's got a really good feel for the pocket, knows where it's going, able to navigate it really well. Really accurate. Not an A-plus arm. I'd say probably a B-minus arm. He can make pretty much all of the throws you would ask for an NFL quarterback, but his arm talent doesn't jump off the tape. He's not Josh Allen, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. He's not that kind of arm talent, but he's accurate enough. He's got amazing football IQ. You've heard me say this more than once on this show during the course of these playoffs. That is Joe Burrow's superpower. All of these elite quarterbacks whether we're talking about Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar, they have an, a superpower trait. They have, like Madden says, they got the superstar X-Factor ability. What makes them special? Mahomes, it's the arm talent. Josh Allen, it's the ability to get four yards whenever he needs it with his legs. Lamar, it's game-breaking speed. Rodgers, it's the arm talent and the ability to navigate the pocket. Brady, it's having 20 years of football history in his brain, so he always knows what the defense is giving him. All of these guys have superpowers. Burrows is his ability to survive in the pocket long enough and to see things. I know, I know. I'm not going to compare Joe Burrow to Tom Brady. The the legacy football media is making the very lazy comparisons about the team that nobody really expected and the quarterback getting hot at the right time and similar styles of play where it's more accuracy and intelligence than raw athleticism. I understand that's a very one-dimensional, simplistic view comparing Tom Brady to Burrow, but it's that kind of skill set. It's, I'm going to beat you with my mind. I'm going to look at what you're giving me pre-snap. And based on what you're giving me pre-snap, I probably know where I need to go with the ball. So it doesn't matter if you want to send an extra corner, an extra two guys at me. I'm going to be able to make this play because there's going to be space out there. The Bengals run a lot of plays out of empty where there is nobody in the backfield aside from Burrow. And what does that tell you? That says we got to get the ball out fast because we don't have any additional protection. There's no tight end. There's no running back. So there's no help against the pass rushers. That also means there's going to be space out there. Because there are going to be, whether the defense is in man or zone, there's going to be space out there because you're going to use concepts with out of empty that are going to get guys open in space. When you're in empty, the ball comes out fast so your receivers don't have to go as far down the field. Keep that in mind when you see the Bengals line up in empty in this game, which they are pro- going to have to do at points just to set up those bubble screens and those RPOs that they like to run where they just get the ball to Jamar Chase right near the line of scrimmage and say, all right, Jamar, take the ball, get eight yards, or if things go right, make somebody miss and you're off to the races. That is a very important part of what the Bengals like to do on offense. One other thing I have here in my storyline segment before we really start talking about details about what these teams like to do strategy-wise, this is... I said going into the Raiders-Bengals game, this is the full of shit game, where both teams, they really probably shouldn't have even been in the playoffs because of the results they got in one-score games. But the Bengals are riding it. 
they are pl- they are the t- guy at the blackjack table that does not understand the rules of blackjack. They are somebody at the table that is hitting on 17. They are somebody standing on 14. They are just playing reckless. You do not know what they're going to do at the blackjack table. And that's kind of what the Bengals have been all playoffs, where it's, what are you doing? And then they've survived three close games. They had no business coming back in that game against the Chiefs in the wild card in the championship weekend. That was insane that they held the Chiefs to three points in the second half. And it was the one drive where the Chiefs were actually able to get the ball into the hands of Travis Kelsey. As for the Rams, storylines-wise, this is the epitome of the all-in, the NBA strategy. We don't need draft picks. Just get me more stars. The first-round picks they traded to get Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, Sammy Watkins... Picks to trade for Jalen Ramsey, to trade for Matthew Stafford this past year after you realized Jared Goff's not good enough. Trading first uh, picks, not first-round pick for Von Miller. They have tried to build a roster through the middle rounds of the draft and acquiring marquee players for draft picks. I go back and forth on whether or not this is a good idea or not, but I, it really depends because I'm such a draft guy. I lo- The NFL draft is one of my favorite things to do prep for because it's fun. Because I just get to watch tape. I just get to rewatch the entire college football season on YouTube in preparation. And I really do enjoy doing that every single year. But I know what Jalen Ramsey is. I do not know what the two first-round picks are. Jacksonville used it to take Clavon Chase on, who has been a disappointment in the NFL. And CJ Henderson, who they traded already. So... Jalen Ramsey for maybe a rotational pass rusher and middle round assets you got from Carolina for C.J. Henderson. Not great. Not great asset management from the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the Rams are where they are because they've got the guy. They have a coach who can scheme an offense enough that baseline you should be able to win nine games every single year with that offense barring injury. They were able to do it with Jared Goff who... Very bland, very unspectacular, can't make any crazy plays outside of structure, doesn't elevate the talent around him, but competent enough to execute the plays, the underneath stuff, try not to kill you, and they ran into their wall last year. They played Green Bay in the divisional round, they just couldn't score enough to keep up with Green Bay, and it's why they lost last year, so McVay said, okay, this isn't working, I need to go get a quarterback that's better, whether that's... Rodgers, whether that's Stafford, who they ended up getting, they got the guy they needed. They got somebody who can make just enough plays that Jared Goff couldn't, that this Rams team was able to take another step. Granted, their defense is playing better than it was last year. It's a little bit more flashy. It's a little bit easier to see why it's so effective. Leonard Floyd, just Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, Ashawn Robinson, Aaron Donald. There's just so many guys that can give you a hard time. Jalen Ramsey's floating around out there. Darius Williams, their number two corner, is floating around out there. They've got Taylor Rapp, Nick Scott. They brought Eric Weddle out of retirement. There's so much marquee talent on this defense, and the efficiency rates are amazing. This defense is suffocating against both the pass and the run. You are not going to be able to run the ball against this defense, and that's something the Bengals are going to have to recognize early in this game. The Bengals are going to have to pass to open up the run, which is something I say a lot when I'm playing Madden as opposed to what you would do in real life because conventional wisdom, what boomers have been saying, like the Mark Slayers of the world, the people who are on TV who do the NFL have been saying forever, you got to run to open up the pass. That's not true anymore. If you're playing an elite defense like this that is going to smother the run, you're going to have to pass open the run. 
you are going to have to throw the ball enough that the defense respects the pass enough to lighten the box to give you running opportunities. You will have to run the ball in this game a handful of times. Just purely, I always talk, I talked about this a lot as to why Kansas City lost. They stopped running the ball in the second half. They were passing and run situation. They, they got too smart with it. They were getting six yards to carry with Jarek McKinnon, who's not particularly good. And they just got away from it in the second half because they felt the momentum slipping away from them. In terms of the Rams, that defense is great. It is arguably better than their offense as to why they are here. These are both really good units. These are both top five in DVOA offense and defense. Bengals are pretty middle of the pack, 15, 17, in that range for DVOA on offense and defense. The Rams expected to be here. This kind of feels like the end of the line in terms of Matthew Stafford's NFL career. He'll hang around for another few years, I'd imagine, but this is going to be his one crack at it. And if he wins this, this is vaguely going to feel like Scorsese winning best picture for The Departed in 2005 as opposed to something for Goodfellas or Casino, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, whatever. He put in his 12 years of service in Detroit. He gets to L.A., they, they have just enough talent around him. They have a coach that's good enough to manipulate Stafford's talent in that scheme to be explosive enough. They had that midseason lull where they lost three in a row. San Francisco really body-bagged them that one Monday night game. And they survived. They probably shouldn't have survived that game against Tampa. I would argue they deserve to lose against Tampa. They had lost six in a row to Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, and they were down 10 at one point in that game. And if, um, I think it was Jaquiski Tart doesn't drop that interception, the Rams probably lose that conference championship game, but you gotta get the breaks. Every single team that just makes it to a Super Bowl, let alone wins a Super Bowl, gets lucky breaks along the way because there are just too many variables going on in the course of the game for everything to be a result purely of talent on talent. Luck happens. Guys slip. Guys drop things. Coaches make mental errors. They lose track of time on the clock. All of the things outside of structure that you have to account for, that's what makes sports fun. You can't know what's going to happen until they play because the variables exist. So in terms of matchup, I mentioned it before in terms of running the ball. Neither of these teams has been particularly successful running the ball in the playoffs. Cam Akers has a little bit of juice. When he gets a gap, he can hit it hard and make some plays. He's knocked a few guys out running the ball, how hard he struck them. The two fumbles against Tampa, wasn't able to really get anything going against the 49ers. Just Rams haven't been able to run the ball. Their offensive line it has good efficiency numbers. They're very good at pass and run blocking, but the plays just haven't been there in the postseason. They're just not getting enough on the ground, so... That's a problem. And the Bengals, the Bengals run out of under center formations. I couldn't think of the word. That was the pause there. They have Joe Burrow under center on first down. More than half the time, it's been a rush attempt this year. That is bad for tendency reasons. Now, if you want to say, we've been doing that all year to set up play action shots in the Super Bowl out of under center on first down, that'd be one thing. I just don't think Zach Taylor's creative enough to do that. I think they are going to... Get Joe Mixon his 20 to 25 carries, and they're going to have a few touches for him out of the backfield as a receiver. But I, until Zach Taylor shows me a willingness to get away from his tendencies, I'm not. I'm just going to assume they're going to stay. That that's the thing about the Bengals and why 
you're going to hear me talk about in the next section where I'm talking about deciding factors. I don't know about Zach Taylor, man. I just, I haven't been overly enthused with the way they've ran their offense. They've left a lot of points on the table. And yes, take your points. You've got a really good kicker in Evan McPherson, the kid out of Florida, who's been really, really good this year. Like, lights out good this year. He's already probably a top five kicker in the league as a rookie. That is remarkable, yes. As for the trenches, this is a lopsided one. We all know the Bengals' offensive line is bad. Everybody has the vivid images of the Super Bowl last year in their mind where Mahomes is running for his life away from Levante David and Shaq Barrett. And it's just... It's hard to shake that image from your memory that offensive lines win Super Bowls. Last year, Tampa kept Tom Brady upright. I don't think he got sacked once in that entire game. And Mahomes ran for his fucking life for four quarters from that swarming defense. And... It's really easy to see the similarities here where you're going to have Von Miller, you're going to have Leonard Floyd, you're going to have Sean Robinson, and of course Aaron Donald, who's probably the best player in football. It's going to be a tall order for the Bengals to survive that pass rush. Now, you could run the ball, but the Rams are so good against the run that running the ball to slow up a pass rush is not really going to work. You're going to have to get the ball out quickly, maybe a gimmicky play or two, get a double pass in the mix somehow, get Jamar Chase the ball out of the backfield as a receiver, line him up in shotgun next to Burrow to get him the ball in space. You're going to have to mitigate that Rams pass rush somehow. All of the traditional ways you stop a pass rush are going to be difficult for the Bengals because they don't pass protect well. 30th in pass protection efficiency is not good. If, you own, if you're the 30th best team in pass pro and you're in the Super Bowl, you're going to have to figure out some gimmicky shit to buy your quarterback time. And Burrow, to his credit, has endured. He got sacked nine times against Tennessee in the divisional round, and he was great. He got the shit knocked out of him, and he still won that game. As for the Rams on offense, I want to see what the receivers do. There's going to be no Tyler Higby in this game, barring a miracle from what I understand. Odell and Cooper Cup were tremendous in the NFC Championship game. Both of them were just outstanding. They were getting open seemingly every play. It seems like Cooper Cup is open every single play. Just he's the unguardable guy in the NFL right now. Like, yeah, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, very good. But Cooper Cup be just doing the shifty stuff at the line of scrimmage, a few yards away from the line of scrimmage, finding space. And because Cup gets open so much, teams are naturally going to shade their coverage in that direction. So it's going to leave Odell in man situations. And Odell is getting open like we haven't seen him do since he was in New York, basically. They've really found him a niche now no Tyler Higby no Robert Woods that does impact the way the Rams like to run the ball I know I I, this doesn't sound like it's in this thread but it is they've had to use Odell a little bit in that role because Higby's hurt as a run blocker just really quickly conceptually most the offenses used to have a fullback neither of these teams really do anymore the Rams We're using Robert Woods in that role where he wasn't lining up in the backfield, but he was fulfilling the run-blocking obligations of a fullback as a receiver. Now they're kind of having to figure out that on the fly, especially with no Tyler Higbee, who, like I said, barring really good luck, is not going to be able to go. That will matter for run-blocking situations. But big picture-wise, I do think the problem for the Bengals, aside from not being able to stop the Rams' pass rushes, but 
I don't know if they're going to be able to play coverage against this group. Now, Trey Hendrickson has been tremendous this postseason at getting pressure, at drawing double teams so other guys can get pressure. They are going to have to do some weird things with Von Bell down towards the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to do stuff with Jermaine Pratt down towards the line of scrimmage to confuse Stafford. So walk these guys down to the line of scrimmage, make it look like there's five or six guys coming, and then dropping those guys off and it's only the front four coming. You're going to have to get creative with what you're showing Stafford pre-snap because if you try and just sit in coverage and get your front four home, Stafford will carve you up. We've seen Cooper Cup do this a lot where if you're going to sit in zone, Cooper Cup is going to find that open space in the zone. He's just so damn shifty. And on the money downs, on third down, the ball's going to Cooper Cup. Just flat out. If it's third down, the ball is going to Cooper Cup. If it's third and one, maybe they have Stafford do the really bad QB sneak. Which, to be frank, is a problem. Matthew Stafford's inability to run a QB sneak well is bad. He gets he does not get nearly low enough. When you run a QB sneak effectively, you are diving on the ground between your guard and your center. You are not trying to piggyback ride on one of those guys over the line. You're getting low, avoiding tacklers, and trying to get the line to gain. You're only QB sneaking within two yards. Maybe only one yard if you're the Rams because you know Stafford's aversion to getting so low. That could be a problem. If neither of these teams can be able to run the ball, Stafford, you're going to have to break out that QB sneak. It's come up more than once down the stretch here for the Rams where it's taken multiple tries to get one yard because Stafford is not good at the QB sneak. I do think Cup and OBJ both have great games, regardless of the final outcome. I do think it's more likely that if the Rams win big, both of those guys go crazy. I part of me wants to take Cooper Cup to win MVP at six to one. I think he's at six and a half to one, something like that, because I feel like if he goes insane, they're more likely to give it to him than if it were Stafford. But it's so hard for a down quarterback to win MVP. It's why I have I didn't do a ton of looking into the props, but I think that's probably my biggest concern if I'm Cincinnati. Aside from just being able to keep Burrow upright enough that he's alive, you got to find a way to slow up OBJ and Cup. Now, they did a great job against Kansas City. They did a lot of drop eight. They gave Mahomes nine seconds, and nobody was open in those nine seconds, so eventually Trey Hendrickson was able to get there. Don't know if you're going to be able to do that. It seems like Andrew Whitworth is good to go for the Rams, the left tackle. Rob Haldenstein, the right tackle. Good. Not a great right tackle, but they'll be all right. I think the Rams' offensive line will be fine. This is going to have to be another one of those crazy performances from the Bengals' defense for them to win this game. Deciding factors. All right. We're getting to money time on the podcast here. McVay's been here. He lost to the Super Bowl pretty frustratingly against New England was that three years ago now where they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl the one that ended 10-3 Patriots played bully ball they said we're going to put five guys on the line of scrimmage if Jared Goff can beat our corners in man coverage that's fine with us he could not do that they had to change things McVay has opened up their offense a little bit a little bit less gimmicky things because Stafford is better than Goff there's a little bit less play action there's more straight dropbacks that kind of thing is something I've been keeping track of in the playoffs dropbacks versus play action versus rollouts and boots and all the stuff that McVay is known for 
just out of curiosity. And it's very clear they're just dropping Stafford back more because they feel like he's good enough where if the window is smaller, he's going to be able to force it in there because he's got the arm talent. McVay's been here before. His offensive coordinator has been here before. His defensive coordinator has been to two Super Bowls. Not with the Rams, but Raheem Morris went with the Falcons when they lost to New England. And he was on John Gruden's staff back when they won the Super Bowl against the Raiders way back when. But he was only like a quality control coach back then. But the coordinators on the Rams have decidedly more experience in this situation, as does McVay. He's been to a Super Bowl before as a coach. He's had he's taken his lumps. They've had a few frustrating playoff exits in a row. I... These guys are both liable to do terrible game management things. I mean, the Rams were out of timeouts with 10 minutes to go last week. No, two weeks ago against the 49ers. You got it, Sean. I, I know you like using your timeouts. You want to get the right play. Eat the five yards. I'm telling you, your timeouts are more valuable than five yards. They just are. I don't understand why coaches don't get this, man. It's so frustrating to watch because you are going to more than likely need those timeouts. Just flat out, you are. The experience on the coaching staff side of things favors the Rams, decidedly. Zach Taylor was a Rams assistant when they went to the Super Bowl and lost in New England, but Brian Callahan, Bill Callahan, the great offensive line coach, his son is their OC. He's never been to a Super Bowl. And Lou Anarumo, one of the giant head coaching interviews, head coaching candidate interviews, never been to a Super Bowl before either. Decidedly, experience is on the side of the Rams. There is one player on the entire Bengals 53-man roster who has Super Bowl experience. That would be Ricardo Allen, who was on the Falcons team that lost to the Patriots. Rams, a couple of these guys were on that team in 2018. Not a ton of experience, but more than them. They've played in a lot of playoff games. There's more miles on those bodies. And you heard Aaron Donald say it the other day. I have accomplished all there is for me to do as an individual in professional football. This is the only thing I have left. And God help whoever has to block Aaron Donald in a Super Bowl. That man is going to be playing like a man possessed on Sunday. And as a football nerd, a lot of my time watching the Rams is just spent watching Aaron Donald on defense. I, like, yeah, the camera's going to cut into the quarterback and where the ball is going, but... Take some time and appreciate some greatness on Sunday. When Aaron Donald is on the field, keep your eyes on him as opposed to the quarterback and the ball once it's snapped. Look at Aaron Donald and just watch him do unholy things, whether it be throwing guys, dipping underneath them. He is one of the best football players ever. And he gets this ring, that will be a line of discussion throughout next week in the offseason, that Aaron Donald is one of the greatest football players of all time if they get a ring. And granted, I honestly think he's already in that discussion for maybe second-best defensive player of all time behind Lawrence Taylor. And that's without a ring. He has been dominant every single year he's been in the league since he got out of pit. And he is a game-wrecking force. And they've done a masterful job in L.A. of putting pieces around him where if you double him, you're going to leave Floyd one-on-one. You're going to leave Von Miller now one-on-one. And that matters. The pick-your-poison mentality for pass rushing is really hard to stop, just flat out. It is hard to stop when there are multiple guys on the other defense that give you a hard time. I haven't even talked about Jalen Ramsey, who I imagine is going to be in that star-backer role. He's going to be floating around. The Rams live in zone, so even though maybe he'll be lined up near Jamar Chase, he probably won't be following him side to side. 
Ramsey will be on one side of the field, and the Bengals will try to manipulate where Jamar Chase is pre-snap so he's not on that side. They'll put T. Higgins on that side. Tyler Boyd will be important. Haven't mentioned C.J. Uzoma. Probably going to go for the Bengals at tight end. If he doesn't, Drew Sample had a nice rapport with Joe Burrow in the three games they played last year, but Uzoma, when he's gotten the ball in the playoffs, he's been pretty good. He's had a couple multi-catch, like five, six catch, 60, 70-yard games in these playoffs, so he's been good for them. He matters. That middle of the field might be available, might not be. It's hard to tell, to be honest with you. I got to see what the game plan is. I'm very excited to see how these teams approach each other. Historically, Super Bowl starts slow. Historically speaking, usually first quarter is first quarter under is one of those things that your degenerate friends will tell you to bet because both teams are kind of feeling each other out. Nobody wants to make any mistakes on offense, so they'll be a little conservative. They'll throw the ball away. Not going to force anything. You want to live for the second quarter. You can't let the game get away from you too fast. It'll be imperative for both of these teams, especially the Bengals, to just get their feet under them. Joe Burrow is going to take some licks in this game, just flat out. He's going to get hit, hit multiple times, probably pretty hard, be uncomfortable in the pocket, and he's going to have to persevere. That is going to be probably the first quarter of this game. And if he weathers that storm, he can stay in the pocket, he can make a couple plays. If they can not run the ball 70% of the time that Joe Burrow is under center, that would be great. Okay. Talent-wise, the Rams got more talent. I mean, you just heard me spend plenty of time talking about the Bengals' offensive line issues, how their defense has a bunch of B-plus and B-minus guys. There's no A-plus guy. The Rams have A-plus guys everywhere on the field, both sides of the ball. The coaching favors the Rams. I spent a lot of time this week thinking about how Kansas City, for all of its talent, was unable to survive or weather that Tampa pass rush last year. And on the playoffs, I am 7-5. and five. I, I went back, I went through my log, 7-5 and five against the spread picks. I'm even wavering right now. Like, I have Bengals plus four in my notes here as my pick, and I'm thinking about it. And after I spent all last year, the week leading up to the Super Bowl, well, Nick, you know the Chiefs aren't start. They got backup tackle, but yeah, Mahomes, and that's what I'm doing in my head right now. But Joe Burrow and every fiber of my being is telling me just take the Rams. This is a coronation for them. They expected to be here, home game for them. Even though there won't be a home crowd advantage like there was in Tampa for the Bucks last year, just take the Rams. Four points. If it were three and a half, three. I want to take the Bengals at plus four so bad. This line will probably get to four and a half by kickoff on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, depending on what time zone you are when you watch this. You know what? I'm seven and five. Either way, I'm over 500 against the spread. Give me the Bengals plus four. I'm sticking with my gut. I wrote it down in my notes, Bengals plus four. I think Joe Burrow has the game of his life. I, there are a few scenarios for this game. Number one, the one that a lot of people are talking out loud, which is kind of weird, is blowout. They expect the Rams to just pull away on their talent and their experience and their coaching advantage. And if you can stop Cooper Cup and OBJ, good luck, because nobody's been able to do it really since OBJ got acclimated in that offense. I'm riding with my guy. It's that simple. I this goes against a lot of what I preach on this show. I tell you, don't show... It's what you can do. It's what you do. 
It's not what you are. Joe Burrow's talent is great. He is brilliant football mind. He, I was listening to a podcast during the week where um, Stu Mandel, I believe, was on. Wait, no. Was it Bruce Feldman? Hang on, hang on. Bad radio. Really bad radio. I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now. Blah, 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 blah. Football show. Athletic football show. I want to, I want to give proper attribution. I want to give proper attribution. Yeah, Bruce Feldman, not Stu Mandel. Football writer at the, college football writer at the Athletic. Um, Bruce Feldman co-wrote Ed Ogeron's book about the 2019 LSU season. Joe Burrow was on that team. And Bruce Feldman described Joe Burrow as... The closest thing I have ever seen to a player coach in college football. That level of intelligence, that level of commitment to detail, to preparation, to understanding as much as he possibly could about football so that when it came time to make a play, he knew what he had to do no matter what. Even if he wasn't the fastest guy, the biggest arm, the most agile, whatever you want to use in terms of physical traits, he was so damn smart he could figure out what he needed to do. And it's infectious, man. I, I've spent a lot of time in these playoffs doubting the Bengals. And if they lose to the Rams, okay. I can live with that. It's If the Bengals win this game, it's probably coming down to the last possession. It will be the Joe Montana, Joe Burrow. Two minutes to go. you got to come down and you got to get points to win the game. That's the scenario I see for the Bengals. For the Rams... If the Rams win, I can see them winning by 10 points. Easy. They pull away. You force a turnover. You rattle Burrow. You force a fumble. You get a pick. Two possessions. I think those are your two outcomes. Either the Rams win by two scores or the Bengals win by a field goal, maybe. I'm going with the Bengals. Evan McPherson. We got our money kicker in this game. Matt Gay has been pretty mid for the Rams. Like, he missed, like, a 35, no, like, a 45-yard field goal each of the last couple of weeks, which, like, you, I know you're playing a little hurt, but, like, if you can't make a 45-yard field goal, you probably shouldn't be playing in the game if you're that hurt. Okay. That's the pick, Bengals plus four. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. The Super Bowl, this is Americano. In, in the late-stage capitalistic hell that we currently exist in, this is American culture manifested in a four-hour broadcast. I hope everybody enjoys the game. Most importantly, I'm hoping for a great game, man. Last year's Super Bowl was kind of a bummer. Year before that, eh, I enjoyed that game, but I was also working. I was waiting tables at the time during the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, so I wasn't fully able to appreciate the Chiefs coming back to win down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Year before that was the Dodd, the Rams-Patriots, and then get to Rams Eagle at uh, Rams Eagles Patriots Eagles which was fun this is the last bite of the football sandwich folks it's going to be a long off season we will do draft stuff down the road but that's a month away before we start seriously looking at draft stuff like I said we got plenty of content planned for you guys next week it's going to be an exciting week following week we will be on vacation but I'll tell you guys more about that next week enjoy the fucking experience man this is what it's all about for football fans. You spend all of your life waiting for this moment. If you are a Bengal fan, if you are a Ram fan, if you are a Matthew Stafford fan, a Lion fan, this is what it's all about. You want that Lombardi trophy. And yes, it, 
you, you want the ring so you can argue better with your friends who aren't as much of a nerd as you. I understand, I understand. You need the ring for ring-chasing arguments. Okay. I will see you guys on Monday. We'll unpack the show. We might have a guest for Monday. We might not. I got to see if... We got to see how the game goes, to be, too, to be honest. If it's a bad game, I'll probably get a guest just so it's not me talking to myself for 40 minutes. But I'll see you guys on Monday. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I hope the game is good. I'll see you guys then.